Hi, my name is Yasmin Tarehi, and this is Startup Confessionals, where we interview startup founders and entrepreneurs in the Middle East and Africa. We'll learn about some of the biggest lessons these founders discovered on their journey from the personal to the professional and share how they keep themselves motivated. Today's episode is with Mirai Typhoon, the co-founder and CEO of Vibu, an application based on urine data that delivers personal advice to the individual for a healthier lifestyle. Mirai graduated from Stanford postgraduate program specializing in go-to-market strategies, as well as diet and gene expression. She's previously founded companies in the medical diagnostics, smart home, and smart co-living spaces. Vivu is the first at-home wellness tracker that uses urine to provide personalized insights and recommendations unique to the user's body while helping them track their hydration, pH, ketones, kidney and liver functions, and so much more. So welcome to the show, Mirai. Hi, Yasmin. How are you? Happy to have you on here. And Mirai, so can you briefly share your value proposition in your words with our audience? Of course. So um, Vivo is a wellness tracker, just like your Apple Watch. But instead of your steps, it helps you to track your key metrics. And how it works is you just urinate on one of our sticks and then scan it with your Vivo application. And instantly you'll be getting your results. Recently uh, at CES, actually a couple of weeks ago, we launched our new version, Vivo uh, 2.0, now allows our customers to track their calcium, magnesium, vitamin C, salt consumption, even oxidative stress through their um, mobile phone with the help of our Vivo tests. And the beauty of this is it just takes two minutes and you don't have to send anything to anywhere. You just need you, your phone and your Vivo tests. And after you pee, uh, you will get your results instantly. Amazing. So what regions uh, is Vivu available in? Um, our biggest uh, target market is United States. And our biggest audience also is in the United States. It's followed by Canada, UK, and Australia. Uh, but we have customers from 100-something countries. Obviously, what we focus is uh, North America. But I guess a global expansion is near. Got it. And how often do people use the app? Like, do you recommend that people test once a week, once a month, every day? I guess maybe how often do you test? <laughs> so it really depends on your personal uh, wellness journey. Uh, for me, I test myself on a daily basis. Um, for Vivo Light, I was testing myself two to three days, but now there's metrics like vitamin C, salt consumption, magnesium, and some of them are I'm, I'm deficient at. So uh, with supplementation uh, support, I always track them on a daily basis now. Some of our customers take daily, some of them weekly, and some customers just test them once a month. So depends on what you're looking for. Mm. If you're a keto dieter, you can test yourself twice a day. <laughs> Wow, that's actually a very important use case for folks who are doing keto. Mirai, what about the reason that you decided to tackle this particular industry and market? Can you walk us through your journey? Oh, yeah, it is coming from a kind of personal pain. Uh, I'm a biohacker myself, so I, I, I used to try all the products in the market like 23andMe, Biome, MDL tests, you know, uh, I have all the variables, I have a Whoop, I have an Aura, I have an Apple Watch, I have a Fitbit. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I am really interested in, in, in me. And the main purpose of, you know, self-tracking is to, you know, unlock the potential 
that uh, you can live a better life, a more energetic life, uh, but we don't have all the tools. So what I'm trying to figure out is what my body needs with different tools. And my biggest problem was like the wearable devices, like Aura's and Apple Watches and everything. Uh, even though they're super easy to use, the data they provide is superficial. It's like step, heart rate, activity, um, yeah, like and uh, so on, and sleep. That's it. And when you go to the other side, at home test like 23, like genetic tests like 23andMe, Viome, uh, Everlevel, let's get checked. All these tests are amazing that you can collect your sample at home and send it to a lab. But it takes a long time to get your results. And when the result comes, it's not that engaging. And another, another problem is they're so expensive. Mm, <laughs> so yeah. I already worked with urine tests before. And what we wanted to create is something that you can do truly at home. It uh, doesn't require so much time, easy to use, engaging, and affordable. That is how uh, Vivu's first concept formed. And uh, how long have you been in this uh, business and how can you walk us through like how the product has transformed since the beginning? I know you mentioned Vivu Light and this new kind of, uh, I guess, what was it called? Like another type of Vivu. Um, but can you walk us through like what the initial maybe intention was and how that's evolved and p- perhaps how it's going to continue to evolve? Yeah, it's a, it's a funny question because um, I, I'm at the SF now and we were cleaning some old documents and I found so many old tests looking like hilarious, you know, uh, <laughs> in weird packaging. And yeah, like uh, we, we started in 2018. Uh, we started with a pre-seed um, funding from 500 Startups Investment Fund. It was at the idea stage back then. Uh, what it was was... We were giving you a urine test. You were taking a picture and emailing it to us. And the results was coming to your email. So <laughs> mm-hmm. it was a pretty immature version. Uh, then with this pre-seed money we got, we built our first MVP. Then um, uh, we tested a little bit in the markets uh, with early adopters such as keto, uh, paleo dieters, etc. And after that, we built a second version. <laughs> uh, that was also an MVP, but for a, a bigger scale uh, for mo- mostly millennials, uh, pre-post-menopause uh, women, and um, biohackers, quantify self-audience to understand if the product also provide value for the day-to-day life and now actually we launched a real real product i call it because uh it came a long way um with the data it tracks the user experience but i still like where it's like i don't know five percent there uh because what we what we want to achieve is is a is an experience of tracking your body metrics understanding them um and you know, really capturing the insights and apply that to your everyday life. So that is that is a really uh, lo- like a big user journey. Imagine you can track your magnesium level at home, understand what your body needs, understand how much you have in your body, and eating the right food to support that data. It is a pretty conscious self. You know, it it, it is a new way of living, uh, and. Uh, we're always constantly working on the user journey to support our customers in that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's so interesting because I think a lot of people are so disconnected from 
knowing or understanding what's actually happening with their own personal health. And we have so much data on so many other things in our life, except for, you know, what's happening inside of us. And so I can't think of anything more important. I'm wondering in terms of audience, is there like a specific um, demographic or type of person that is interested in this product? And yeah, I'm just curious, like what you guys have learned from, from your audience. Yeah, at the beginning, like when we first started, it was more clear. Now we're seeing so many different uh, segments of users. Because uh, just because like Vivo is providing different benefits for different audiences. I already mentioned keto. Uh, keto dieters were already using keto tests, but Vivo comes with backtracking and multiple other metrics. So they show a really high interest. Uh, we have a lot of millennial woman users uh, who are looking into longevity and beauty and be more energetic. Um, so um, weight loss, for there are people who use Vivo for weight loss purposes, even though we don't claim to help you to lose weight, it supports them with their water intake, with their balanced pH, with the right nutrient intake. And yeah, it goes so on and on. Like we have some different segments showing interest into Vivo for different purposes. Amazing. And can you talk to us about your funding journey, like how your priorities may have shifted um, as you have grown and uh, maybe reprioritized the product roadmap? How have your priorities shifted? Um, so we started with a pre-seed from 500 Startups Investment Fund. Uh, then we joined to Techstars Accelerator this time in Dubai in 2019. Um, shortly after that, we closed our seed round uh, led by Draper Associates. And now recently in 2021, we closed our Series A, again led by Draper Associates, followed by uh, Otsuka Pharmaceuticals Venture Arm Once Ventures, 500 Startups uh, Investment Fund, uh, Halogen Ventures, and Global VC, and Revo, Revo Capital from the region. Wonderful. And how did you go about meeting these investors? Was it easy or relatively easy for you? Was it a lot of introductions? I think a lot of people have questions about how that works. Mm. Yeah, fund, fundraising is a tricky process. It, it is never easy. At least it's never easy for me personally. Because I, I feel like fundraising is like a camp for me, like a boot camp, but that takes six months, four months. <laughs> it's a different mindset. And obviously, uh, you will need a lot of uh, warm introductions. Uh, what we relied on was our previous investors. So we were lucky. We had 500 startups and uh, Halogen Ventures uh, from our seed round uh, were constantly making us warm in introductions, also angels. Like how we met with Global VC, for example, was through an angel. How we met with One Ventures was through, I guess, Halogen Ventures. Or so, like, so what I'm trying to say is, you always need those channels to those investors. And once you don't have them, what you do is cold reach out. As you know, like you write them, hey, you're fundraising. This is our pitch deck. And in my experience, that never worked for me. Uh, I reached out maybe in our seed round, pre-seed thousands of investors personally i send them letters with products ship them etc it never worked for me as good as more introductions but i believe the best way to meet investors is, is in an organic way in an event in a place i don't know if you're in the valley or i know with the covid it's harder but the best relationships are built with 
a real organic, genuine, um, I don't know, coincidences mm. in my experience at least. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and I think maybe the big thing that people ask about when it comes to these types of wellness products is like the level of accuracy and also, yeah, like how, how, how accurate the, the data is. Um, and I know you have a background in medical diagnostics, so I'm, I'm super curious, like how, how that has worked for you, how you've been able to kind of prove, um, the efficacy of the, the data. Mm-hmm. Uh, in our product, it, it is, I guess relatively easier to prove its accuracy because uh, you can uh, run uh, laboratory tests. Some of our investors did it to see the accuracy and uh, some of them just uh, looked at into our documents that showcases accuracy results um, because it's a color change and you're looking for color change accuracy level. That's a pretty easy part. About the science behind the color changes, I guess not all investors are interested, but we have a pharmaceutical company invested in Vivo. Obviously, they were super interested in the chemicals and how they change color, etc. Uh, so for Vivo Light, our previous product, uh, when we when we were raising money, we had that product on the market. We have around 90% accuracy compared to hospital urine tests. For Vivo Premium, the new version, it's actually much higher because we added multiple new um, elements to our urine test strips and we have a much bigger da- database now because our image processing works uh, on a machine learning um, uh, methodology. So with more data, it gets more and more accurate and it's around 95% accurate right now compared to hospital medical devices uh, along the parameters. Wow. Amazing. So how has uh, the pandemic impacted your business? Because you started, I guess, like two years before the pandemic started. Um, so how, is, how did that shift your maybe business plan <laughs> and for the road ahead? Yeah, like we always wanted to go to B2B uh, when we started. The reason behind that is uh, we believe the market share of Vivo will increase much faster through B2B2C channels. But with COVID and with pandemic, um, most of the corporates were like, you know, at the beginning, if you remember, were not spending any money, like preserving, waiting to see what's going to happen. So we had to go to direct to consumer. And I guess it it was a good good thing that happened for us because we had the, we had the opportunity to build a presence in the consumer space. Now B2B customers are reaching us out. <laughs> oh, amazing. So you offer both right now. Uh, we offer both right now, yeah. And what about you, the what you sacrificed in order to build this company? I think a lot of times people talk about wins and successes, but they don't talk about some of the kind of you know moments of adversity or challenges. How do you deal with challenges in your business? As I'm sure it comes up, you know, time and time again. Um, how do you how do you sort of think about challenges and how do you move through them? Yeah, I guess the biggest challenge is the stress. <laughs> you might know and l- learning to manage your stress is a, is a, it's a long journey you know you think you get there sometimes but then something happens that makes you I don't know cry upset that you don't want to go out from that bed you know that day because you don't want to deal with that problem um, so my biggest challenge was I guess learning to be a more patient person and learning with to deal with this stress or I will say pressure that is always in my head 
and that, that is that is a burden actually like like sometimes you might feel like oh what, what if I had a different job that doesn't make me feel like that you know uh, that always under pressure of your so because I feel responsible for all of our customers all of our investors all of my teammates you know it's a lot of pressure when you think about the scale um, but I guess it's something that can be learned off right um, yeah, uh, yeah we'll see time will show <laughs> <laughs> yeah absolutely and, and what about like keeping yourself motivated how do you how, how do you just um continuously you know get up in the morning and stay motivated working through all these um challenges or could it, you could it just even be you know how do you keep yourself motivated because I think everyone's got like their own routine whether it's like a morning routine or you know reading certain books but yeah I'm just curious like what is it that that keeps you kind of centered yeah like I guess it depends from my 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 mood cycles I guess sometimes I'm just, I'm, I'm this biggest superstar in my eyes you know wake up early go to gym uh you know come <laughs> back write my journal finish my emails by 10 a.m you know <laughs> having a great breakfast making my calls and everything but sometimes I cannot get out of the bed too like I'm a normal human being mm. so in those times I just learn to do one thing if I feel like I cannot even leave the bed because there's so much work to do and I'm under stress of don't know what to do because that happens to people you know like no point of saying I'm oh no no not ever um and what I do is calling my co-founders they they fix me up or they they say okay don't worry rest today you know like because we have this huge tempo that never stops sometimes resting a couple of hours not waking up waking up late helps you know then they they say they say to me, hey Mirai, like just rest. I'll handle this. I I'll take that call, and vice versa. When it happens to them, what I say is, hey, rest. Like I don't know, have a have a two days break. You know, supporting each other, I guess, is the best way. So what I learned to do is call them and tell them rather than you know hide, and you know uh, not respond. Mm -hmm. uh, and that that is a way to tolerate. Most of the days I'm okay, but obviously sometimes something happens that puts you really down, you know, it, it, it happens to everyone, I guess. Yeah, definitely. And I hear that from a lot of people that their relationship with their co-founders is really the thing that keeps them, you know, centered and resilient really, as they move through the, the art of building a company. And is there like a, a specific mentor or person in your life that, has really allowed you to grow through this experience or is it something that you just learn on the job like or is it a mix of both mix of both books really help by the way uh journaling is is i guess the biggest support in this like if you journal your thoughts in the morning and at night that really helped me to see everything more clearly and things that you stress a week ago how light they were you know just to realize life itself uh, but mentors as well, because because I live in the valley, I have the, I had the opportunities to meet with amazing people. Like Tim Draper is one of them, you know. Uh, even though we talk, like meet rarely, whenever we met, when I talk about the future plans, the way he guides our I don't know journey with simple tips and tricks is always helping me a lot. I have some mentors for, from marketing space, uh, business coaches, etc. I also have a coach um, myself 
that helps me to deal with some of my problems. You know, uh, it can be simple as I fight with my co-founder and I'm so angry at her. Something simple as that. <laughs> or uh, I, 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 I'm really feeling that I'm a, uh, uh, I have this weak skill in my leadership on this area and I want to work on it. Then they gave, she gives me the tools to sources to read or just discuss on the topic mm. i think it's really important to surround yourself with knowledge and support so when you when you fail you will ha- you will have the tools to get up mm. yourself yes yeah absolutely absolutely so what about something that has surprised you the most since you've been on this journey Mm-hmm. I guess when you when you the, the <laughs> interesting question mm-hmm. uh, when you trust the process and do your best everything just works out in a magical way <laughs> so over worrying doesn't help anything uh, I guess that that still surprises me like because if you just trust the process and do what you have to do it kind of gets there and even if it doesn't get there you don't feel guilty uh, i wish i knew this much sooner cuz i have i had and have this problem of overburying on smallest <laughs> things which doesn't help anything oh yeah don't we all <laughs> i've heard uh, someone say that um worrying about something is like praying for what you don't want <laughs> yes uh, right <laughs> and like all the negativity all the negativity you, you you bring to your brain is affecting everybody including you and your surroundings yeah 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 that's that's the work and so i love that so you do meditation and you do journaling and um and just the, the awareness around around worrying um is so important to just having awareness around how we how we show up and what might get us kind of off our path is is so important. You mentioned also books as um, something that has helped you grow. So I'd love to ask you what books have been most important to you in this journey. Mm. Um, so um, I don't know, like the classics, like zero to one and everything. I guess can be always like always should be read, but in on marketing and mindset purpose like purposes for marketing contagious really affected me and in terms of business and personal development i guess courage to be disliked is is one of the best books i have ever read and 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 i read it time to time or sometimes i even go back to the summary of it it's just because there are some sections inside that really breaks the, the wrong information in your brain and replace it with a new one. Uh, so it's a really life-changing book. And the most important part for me was there, like uh, there was a section called There is No Competition. And I was always such a competitive person uh, with myself, with the, uh, you know, uh, competitors, etc. And I never realized it was consuming me and consuming my brain because I was focusing so much on who is better at what mm-hmm. rather than enjoying the journey and uh, improving myself. Like small things, yeah, small information there really, really affected. I, will, I would recommend it to you too, Yasmin. Have you, have you read it? No, I haven't. And I'm super curious because I think that this is something, especially in California. So I used to live in San Francisco and now live in Los Angeles, although I might be moving back. Um, but the, the courage to be disliked, I think is so important um, in California, because I think a lot of people 
are often not as transparent, I think, with disappointing people, um, mostly because I think we can't sit in the discomfort of it. So, I, mm-hmm. you know, I obviously know that the book probably has a lot of layers, but the title itself <laughs> is uh, is intriguing and I think an important book for many of us to pick up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I would recommend it, yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Okay. Um, and so what is your kind of main takeaway for our audience? What do you want people to do after this conversation uh, other than download <laughs> Vivo? But that that definitely is a great um, call to action. I also plan to download Vivo and start tracking because I think it's just an amazing product. And I'd love to know more about what's going on inside my body. So you already got oh, one I'll conversion. I'll send you some tests. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So what do you want to tell our audience? Mm, if they're entrepreneurs uh, like I don't know give me a call we can chat whenever you want like just keep going you're doing great <laughs> I would <laughs> like to say if you're entrepreneurs <laughs> uh, if you're if you're investors uh, we should invest more in women <laughs> I guess um, and I don't know like st- startup is such a such a personal journey to write like everybody's experiencing it differently but support is important and at the end of the day let's not forget it's a journey it's not a moment it's not a place to i don't arrive it's not where you left it's a journey so i guess 23 me ceo uh, um said once like people forget to enjoy the journey just enjoy the journey like because it won't happen again so that's my I guess biggest takeaway from the speech, like don't forget the journey, enjoy the moments that mm. makes the journey. Yes. Amen to that. Yes. Enjoy the journey. Mm. We're always so fixated on the destination and like forget to enjoy the day to day. So, and I'm sure that you learn so much about yourself on in the process, which is really the, I think maybe the whole point of all of it. So <laughs> Yeah. Well, Mira, thank you so much for your time. This was such a lovely conversation. Is there any question that you think I should have asked or that you'd like me to ask that we didn't cover in this conversation? Uh, No, no. Thank you so much. Thank you. It was such a pleasure. Okay, great. And so for our audience, thanks for joining and for listening to Startup Confessionals.